It's good to be back in the house. Thank you. It's always good to be back where you belong. Yeah, I've said it many, many times. I hate going to Malaysia. I just like being there. And uh, it's always good to be back home amongst your own. You don't think? <clears throat> well, you're my work. So I have to come back. You're the laboratory. If it doesn't work on you, I have no right to tell anybody else. So it better work. It better work on you and in you and through you. Amen? Paul says, when our work, be, when our work amongst you is done, then we can go beyond you. I went quiet there. When our work amongst you is done, then we can go beyond you. I'm looking to go beyond and so should you. That doesn't mean leave one another. That means our focus shifts. Amen? Okay. To those who remain, let's turn in our Bibles to Revelation chapter 4. <clears throat> you know, whenever I go to Malaysia, you would think I would have something to say when I get back. But you'd be wrong. Because... There is, things have to be processed, God has to clarify, highlight, and da-da-da, and I, never, I don't go to Malaysia so I can come back and give you a message. We, grew up, we went past Charismania a long time ago. <clears throat> I go to Malaysia for, one, well, for a couple of reasons. You know what it is? I go to Malaysia to be retuned. To be tuned to what God is saying, because... My father, I don't mean my heavenly father now, I mean my earthly father, is able to tune nations. So when I listen to a man like him, it tunes my spirit and I drink and I get refreshed. So that when I do come back, we're focused, we're clear, da-da-da-da-da. Not everything that God speaks can be spoken to you because some things are for me. And some things have to be waited. There's a time and a season for everything, Amen. But what I will share this morning is steps for this present moment. Steps for this present moment, where we are right now. And when I say where we are, I mean where we are. Look at me, where we are. And uh, so in Revelation chapter 4, let me read this to you. After this, so something has taken place beforehand. After this, I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I'll show you what must take place after this. There's a key th key few key things here, but just in that simple line, I'll finish off the rest of it in a minute. After this I look. So there's a point there where God has been speaking and now he is giving his attention to what has just been said. Let me just drop this down a bit. I can... So after I've said what I'm about to say this morning, there must be a response from you. After this, I looked. So he did something. There was an action after what he previously heard. Yes? So there's an action that's going to be needed after we do, after we finish speaking or after God finishes speaking 
what he's about to say. And there was a door standing open. Thank God there's a door open. There are many, many people looking for doors and many doors are closed. But thank God this door he was looking at was open. There is an open door for us as a house. But if you're not looking for it, how will you ever find it and how will you ever enter through it? So there's a door. Thank God there's a door. Amen. Standing open heaven and the voice, thank God there's a voice. And I first heard speaking to me. So in other words, he's saying that he has the ability to hear this voice frequently. He's heard this voice. He recognizes the tune. He recognizes the tone. He recognizes the frequency of this voice. When we don't hear God and we can't hear God, uh, that's why when we do hear God, we are confused and we're not sure if it's God who's speaking because it's been so long since we last heard him. We're not sure if it's the same voice. Is it me? Is it my imagination? Is it the echo of my soul? Or is it God? But when we hear God regular, we know it's God. We know it's God. So we must have, we must have, a, we must develop regularity so that we can understand God, we know it's God, it's, we're clear it's God, and we can move quicker when we know it's God. Amen? But if I'm, if I'm in doubt and I'm unsure, then you'll never move until you get clarity. Now, there's some times when you might need clarity, but there's, there's more times when you have to move based on what God is saying than you have to go and get clarity before you move. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I'll show you what must take place after this. So there is things that he needs to understand, the writer, and these things that you and I need to understand. So therefore, these steps in this present moment. And at once I was in the spirit. At once. Everyone say at once. At once I was in the spirit. So his immediate response to what was being said and spoken was, I was in the spirit. That's what the door's all about. There's a doorway that enables you to step in to the Spirit of God. But if you're not developed in, in that way, where you can step into the Spirit of God, you're always looking like a blind man for a door. Do you understand this? Don't be distracted. It's all gone quiet now, we see. Peace is in the house. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven. So we've gone from a door to a throne. With someone sitting on it. Thank God there's someone sitting on it. It's not empty. It's not up for grabs. There is a person on the throne. Thank God for that. Amen. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper Keneally, a rainbow resembling an emerald, and circled the throne. So prior to this, what you're reading here, prior to this, there was past, present, and prophetic description of the seven churches and, and their state. So the churches was Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. So before this was, you've just read this chapter 4 verse 1, a lot of things have been said about the seven churches. And things were spoken in regards to their behavior, their thinking, their unrighteousness, and their righteousness. Because each church carried a different quality or a different fault. Yes? And so now, in light of this, 
God begins to speak to John and he says, come up here and I'm going to show you some things about what is to take place on the earth in the future days ahead. So John's getting a prophetic tour of what is about to take place in the days ahead. Yes? Now, let me say this. One of the hallmarks of Christian maturity. Are you ready for this? One of the hallmarks of your Christian maturity is this. God is not only interested about you and your needs. If your maturity can't handle that, then you're not mature. God is just as interested in other things than he is about you. So when he takes John into the spirit to show him what is about to take place in the future, he's not talking about an individual. He's not talking about John. He's not talking about individuals. He's talking about national things that's got to take place so that God's plan can come to fruition. So in that, there are governments involved. There are nations involved. There are economies involved. So God is interested in discipling nations. So God's picture is not just you. And you've got to get a hold of that. And that's what determines immature charismania from mature Christian or mature Christianity. Because charismania is all about me and my needs. Me and my needs, me and my needs. Now God doesn't ignore you, but there is a bigger agenda beyond you. You want God to serve you, but you and I often don't want to serve the needs of God. So we've got to get beyond the needs of just, we've got to get beyond the need of God just speaking to me, about me, for me. That's not wrong because God will speak to you about you. But you must always know there are nations on his heart. There are governments, there are economies, there are significant things happening in this world and need to happen and must happen and should happen. And that's why God needs a church. So that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. You're in that church, but together, together, God wants to see us together. And as we move together, God will deal deal with us individually, as well as corporately. Yes? But this is such a limitation in the church today that people just come for themselves. And God says, can I get a church that will actually do what I want it to do? Bread for eating, seed for sowing. If all we've got to do is supply bread so you can eat every Sunday, then this church can never be a kingdom church. There is seed beyond you. So, it's not enough for us just to have God speak to me every Sunday. He's got to speak, because God has, how many of you know God has a foreknowledge? How many of you know God God has a preordained plan? How many of you know God has redemption? Redemption's in his plan. Yes? And in order for you to understand, you need insight into this. You must have insight into what God's plan really is. You 
and not, you can't just windle God's plan down to you. That's selfish and immature. You're included. Get over it. Now you know you're included. Move on to the next level. Amen? And you must go beyond your physical, spiritual and personal needs. If your needs are not being met, you still have an obligation to serve. But so many Christians stop right there. They stop right there. And this is where the walk of faith gets abandoned. So we've got to move. If we're going to be mature, we've got to learn to move beyond our present circumstances and serve. The, that's why the Bible calls it our high calling. It's not a low calling. It's not a cheap calling. It's not an individual calling. You'll find that when you answer the call of God, there's others who work with you who have answered to the same call. So it's our calling. Amen? So, we need to be a church that embraces God's agenda. Let me say this very carefully. We as a team, as shepherds, will watch over the flock. Amen? And we will minister to needs as we see them arise. That's the promise. Because that's, that's the fulfillment of our role. Let the elders who govern, let them govern diligently. So in other words, let them rule over the people and let them shepherd them, feed them, strengthen them, encourage them, train them, develop them for the works of services. So there is an agenda beyond you. So we will promise to do that to you if you promise to let us take you beyond you. That's a good deal. So if you let us minister to you, so our promise is we will minister to you through the Spirit, but you've got to give him your heart so that we together can be taken beyond us. I think that's a fair deal. So let me give you the first thing you need to do in this present moment. It's not enough just to see and hear God speak. You must enter into what God speaks. John heard the voice. He could see in the spirit. Is that enough? Most charismatic so-called prophetic ministry, they are only interested in hearing and seeing. They chase, they chase around ministry. They like to hear prophetic teaching, but they never have what it takes to enter into what God is saying. Now, here's the problem, church. We can be prophetic. God does not withdraw his spirit. God will keep, since I, the day I've been in this church and before me, this has always been a prophetic house. God always spoke the prophetic word to us as a church. And those who have been here a long time know that. Those who were before me were just as good. And in fact, some of them were better at prophesying and speaking and da-da-da, giving us future hope and things like that. There's never been a shortage of God speaking in this house. Thank God. But there has been a shortage of us entering into what God has spoken. There's been a reluctance. There's been an hesitancy. There's been sin. That stopped the house from moving into what God has said. We've got to just stop hearing and seeing things in the spirit. Oh, I see this and I see that and I see that. That's all part. That's good. But we must enter. 
In other words, we've got to go beyond. We've got to take a step of faith and step into what God is actually saying. So when you hear what God's saying, you say, Lord, count me in. How do I do it? Seeing and hearing is not enough. Seeing and hearing is not enough. You know, every Christmas, children hear Christmas is coming. Do they not? They turn the TV on. They see on the TV there's Christmas programs. They know Christmas is coming. They see into it. But you know, in the morning when they wake up, they expect to step into some things. If we know God is about to do something, it's not enough just to hear it. We must step into it. Are you getting this? So when you say, when you're writing in your book now, you must write in your book, I need to enter in and not just go beyond seeing and hearing. Paul stepped, sorry, John stepped in. There was a door standing open in heaven and a voice heard, I heard him speaking like a trumpet. Come up here and I'll show you what must soon take place. And at once I was in. At once I was in the spirit. At once I stepped in. It wasn't enough for me to hear the voice. It wasn't enough for me to see the open door. It's not enough. I need to step in. That's why the door was open. That's why the voice was spoken. So he could step in. Yes? But so many Christians get so overjoyed and give testimonies of what they saw. Oh, I said in the spirit of the day, and I saw an open door. Wonderful. I'm not minimizing the experience, but did you step in? Did you go beyond? Right. So how many things has God been saying to you and me? Individually, corporately. But how many of those things from what God has been saying and you've been seeing, have you actually stepped in? Because there comes a point when, when does disobedience become disobedient? At what point do we become disobedient about what we hear and see? If we don't see the need to step in, and we just think the mission was to see and hear, we deceive ourselves. And we become disobedient. You getting this? So it's not enough for you to keep listening to prophetic teaching. It's not enough for you to come along to building in the spirit and seeing God and have these wonderful visions and things like that. That's wonderful and we don't want that to stop. But we must go beyond. We must go beyond. You know when? A perfect example of this would be when I was, when the issue of Brexit was was prevalent within our nation, which it still is, but in the early stages, post the vote, uh, sorry, pre the vote, I heard God, or God spoke to me. I shared this with you before, so I'm going to show you what it means to step in. Because, because God spoke to me again about this. When I first heard what God said to me, he asked me a question. So what, when God asks you a question, I'm hearing God says, will you not listen to what's not being said? Do not listen to what everybody's saying, but listen to what is not being said. Right, okay. So now you have to step back then, don't you? You have to step back and you have to see. You have to analyze. 
You have to see. You need some insight. So I've heard the word. Okay? I've now acted on the word. I've taken a step back. I've analysed. I now see. Is it enough for me just to hear what God said? Why was God asking me that? God only ever asks you a question because he wants a different action. When God asks you a question and shows you something, it's because he's trying to get a new action from you. So he says, Tony, listen to what's not being said. So, okay, I start listening, starts observing, and then I began to realize what's not being spoken here. And politicians are master at doing that. They, they cover the, over the issue. And I know in this whole thing, God did not want me to become political. That was not what God was asking me about. He was saying to me, spiritually, see what is not being said. Right. From that, what should I do now? I've heard. I've observed. Is that it over? Well, that's the practice of many of us. Now you have to say, God, what do you want me to do? Because God wants me to step in to what he's telling me, what he's showing me. It's not enough to say, I've got a word this morning. Can I just share it with you? I see this in the scriptures. I'm not interested in what you see. I want to know what, you can, what you're stepping into. Because what you stepped into is reality. This is the life I'm in. Not what I see. That's easy. But to step in and speak from that perspective is a different beast. So then God spoke to me and God began, when I said, okay, Lord, what do you want me to, what do, you want me to do? He said, step in and I'm going to show you some things and I want you to write to the church and tell them. And I only told you about what I felt God was saying to me. And prophetically, I gave you a landscape picture of what I felt God was saying. Now that alone, eventually, led us to one conclusion. Don't vote to stay in. But that was your choice. And I gave you that choice. And I made that point. It's your vote. It's not, I'm not here to tell you what to vote. I'm just telling you what I believe God was telling me to tell you. Because the pulpit's not a place for politics. But we do have to address politics on the pulpit. God needs to be involved in politics. That's the only way you'll set back the nation. So the point is this. I had to step in. Now on the day of the vote, I'm driving over to Huddersfield. And I remember God, I remember the opinion polls were swinging. And I remember beginning to pray in the car and I stepped in and I began to intercede in the car for an hour. And I was intense and I don't think it ever interceded to that, point, to that level before. But I was in, I was all in. And I'm crying. And I'm, and I'm sensing a sense of desperacy. And I'm sensing that we're on, this whole thing's on, on an edge. And this is, I'd never experienced this before in God. I felt that the nation, the destiny of the nation was at a critical point. Now, you can't sense that unless God shows you. Because people go to vote and people, you know, we're all casual with our votes sometimes, aren't we? But this particular day, I was intense. 
And I was riding, I'm driving, and, and you know, you're trying to pull the, the tears out of your eyes, you're trying to keep focused, and I'm interceding and praying. And I knew at that point, I'm in too far that I can't get out. There's no way out. And you're in. And that's what it means to step in, that you can't get out. Once you make an agreement with God and he shows you and you step in, that's it. You can't go back. You've got to hold it together. And some of us are frightened of getting all in. But you want God to keep showing you. You want to keep hearing God from a distance, but step in. Step in and go to the other side. The moment you step in, the moment you step in, write this down. The moment you step in, you become a partner. The moment you step in, you are a partner with what God is speaking. You become a partner. Woo! Acts 16 verse 9 says this, During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia. So he's got soundtrack and he's got a visual to what he's dreaming. You see this? Paul's dreaming, he's got a soundtrack and he's got a visual of what's going on. So he can see the man and he can hear the man. But look what he does then. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Paul stepped in. Immediately after him seeing and hearing and hearing the Macedonians saying, come over, Paul concluded, this is God, I'm in. He didn't wait for the next, he didn't wait for the next night's sleep. He concluded immediately and stepped right in. How many visions do you need before you'll step in? How many prophetic words will you listen to before you step in? Mm. Matthew chapter 9 verse 36. When he saw the crowds, speaking of Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. So he's now feeling, he's seeing, he's feeling, he's sensing. And because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Just stop here a second. Picture the scene. Jesus is walking into Tameside. Figuratively speaking. And as he's walking in through the precinct, he sees the crowds. And instantly he has compassion. So he sees, and from what he sees, he feels. And from what he feels, he senses. Amen? But he doesn't stop there. Because they were harassed. So now he's got understanding as to what he's seeing. He can see the people are harassed. Yes? Like sheep without a shepherd. So he sees they have a need. So he sees, he hears, he feels, he observes, he concludes. And he sees what's missing. They don't have a shepherd. Can you see this? This is, in, this is Tameside. Put it in the context of Tameside. And then he says something very, very brave. He now flicks it. He now turns the whole situation towards his disciples. I've seen, I've felt, I've heard, I've observed, I've concluded. Oh, by the way, you're the partners, aren't you? I'm speaking to the partner. That's what, that's what Jesus said. I'm, I'm looking to the future partners. Now, what would the church say? Jesus, you're Jesus, you do it. 
Jesus turns to the partners and says, the answer to this dilemma is that there is no workforce on the ground. I'm here for three and a half years. I know my mission. That's what Jesus is saying. But this need is greater than three and a half years I'm going to be around. This need, is in a, this need, as long as mankind prevails on the earth, there'll always be this need. People will always be harassed. People will always have need for a shepherd. People will always feel helpless. So I'm turning to you, the workforce, to pray to your father to send workers into the harvest field. And he's putting the whole responsibility of stepping in onto the church. Can you see this? He's putting the whole responsibility of stepping in into the church. So you who was reading this, now here's the interesting thing. Why would you pray to the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the field if you're set on your blessed assurance? You wouldn't, would you? Because to be praying, Lord, send people into the harvest field and you sat in your blessed assurance is hypocritical. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. He turned to them and said, this is time for you to step in and partner with me with what we're seeing together. Don't complain that the people look harassed. Don't complain there's violence on the street. Don't complain society is going down the pan if you are not out there as a worker trying to reverse it. Oh, it's somebody else's job. It's the police, the government's job should do this. And yes, they all have a responsibility. But so do we. So do we. We have the greatest power to turn a life around, to turn a community around. But what we need is laborers. Not hearers, not seers. But hear us, see us, and do us. Amen? And so they heard, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So the church has a crisis of putting people to work. And therefore, we have an unemployment crisis. There are billions and billions of Christians spiritually unemployed. And yet, and yet, all the so-called prophetic apostolic ministries that are sharing the, the limelight cannot put their people to work. So stop calling yourself apostles and prophets when you can't even mobilize your own workforce because that's the job that you're supposed to be doing. But you want a title. All you are becoming the modern-day Pharisee. Mobilize the people. If you can't mobilize people, then you're not a leader. It is true. And you know what? Every time you won't be mobilized and I won't be mobilized, we actually disqualify ourselves. Because God looks at us and says, Dad, they're just hearers only, these lot. They're only seers. We won't doers. Doers that can see and hear. Yes, not just doers. Doers who can see and hear. Yes? So Jesus was asking the disciples from what they had seen and heard for them to become partners. 
So from what you're seeing and hearing in this house, the next step is you've got to step in and become a partner. Be honest and answer. Be honest with yourself and answer yourself. And if you can't answer this, don't condemn yourself. It's just to ask you a question to show you where you're at. Because you could change. When was the last time you prayed for God to send workers into the harvest field? This is a command of Jesus. You all agree that the harvest is plentiful, do you not? Right, so what's the problem? The problem's the workers. So when was the last time you found yourself praying, Lord, send the workers into the field? And by the way, when you say that, you're the first one. (laughs) You've just prayed yourself into employment. There is no unemployment in the kingdom. I said there is no unemployment in the kingdom. There is not a money shortage. There is not a resource shortage. There is not. There is not. There is not. If God's called you, God will, really, God will release the resources to you to get there. But you've got to step in first. The check, the check in your hand is not faith. You deciding to go is faith. Once you decide to go, the check will be released. Once you decide. The check doesn't come first. Because God knows what we're like. We'll spend it on something else. The very first time I decided to go to Malaysia, I wanted to take my children on holiday. And I said, Lord, I'll go. I'll go to Malaysia. This is, I knew this was what I had to do. And I was prepared to go on my own. I'd never gone as far as Wales. Nearly, I'm going to Malaysia on my own at this time. This is before, you know, the Fantastic Two stepped in, Andy and Phil. The Hobbits. And as soon as I said yes, the money came and a holiday was given to us. So what do I say then, Lord? Is this you speaking? <laughs> I'm not quite sure, Lord. No, you didn't misunderstand me, Lord. I said we want to go to America. <laughs> no. It came because I stepped in. This is first steps. First steps is step in. Step in. Only a partner, only a partner will ever pray for the Lord to send workers into the harvest field. Only a partner. That's the prayer of a partner. That's not the prayer of a believer. That's the prayer of a partner. Why? Because only a partner knows the extent of the work. Only a partner knows what's needed. You know, if I'm, taking, if I'm undertaking a work, say, for instance, we're building a wall or something, whatever it is, and someone comes along, can I help you? Yeah, they say, no, actually, I'm all right, because you think it's within your scope. But sometimes you think, oh, thank goodness someone's come along to help. Because you, now you, you appreciate the size of the task. Two hands are better than, or so four hands are better than two. Two is better than one. So it's time to step in, church. It's time to step in. We can't keep hearing. We've got to start moving to doing. You are the first partner that God's looking for. Stop looking around. And deal with you. Hold the mirror up. And who do you see in the mirror? If you see somebody else in your mirror, you know you're demonically oppressed, don't you? <laughs> it's true. It's true. If I hold this mirror up here, Carol should see Carol. 
That's all, that's all she should expect. It's pretty simple. But if she sees something with horns on the top, it's either a mother... <laughs> Can I give you number two? Once you enter into what God speaks, God will then update you according to his current movements. Once you step in, God will then update you to as to his current movements. God is moving. God is doing things behind your back. Not because he's deceitful, because he can't wait for you. God, remember I told you, you have one responsibility. Follow. That's all you've got. And God will keep leading. But when you keep stopping and you keep doubting and you keep throwing a tantrum in the middle of the road, you expect God to stop and God says, I can't stop. I am built to lead. You're built to follow. You want me to stop. I came to you when you didn't know me. Now you do know me. It's your responsibility to come to me. And when you do decide, you'll find me. I'm not far away. By one word, God can be there. But don't expect God to stop leading because you are emotional or you're sick or whatever. God has to keep leading. That's what he does. That's his nature, to keep on leading. But your nature is to follow and to work. Amen? So once you enter into what God speaks, God updates you as to his current movements. John was updated as to what God was going to do in the future. That's why the door was open. That's why the Spirit spoke. That's why he heard. And when he stepped in, only when he stepped in was he updated. As to the current movements of the future days, the end times. Can you imagine if John hadn't stepped in? It wouldn't be John we're reading about. It would be somebody else. Because God would have found somebody else. Don't think John would have stopped the book of Revelation being written. He wouldn't. God would have found Percy or Gordon or James, whoever. He'd have found any tank engine. Yeah? Abraham was updated once Abraham stepped in. Because Abraham entered into God's plan and purpose, God updated him as to what he would do with his seed. You see this? Believers want to be encouraged. Believers want to be strengthened, don't we? Believers want to be blessed. Is that not true? But believers are the only people on the earth that don't want to become partners. Partners need to be updated. So as a partner in God, I have to step on a plane. I have to step on that damn plane. I hate it. It's not that I'm frightened of flying. I just don't like flying. It's not, that, it's not that I don't like going to Malaysia. I just hate going to Malaysia. I don't like it. I've been there too many times. I'm fed up. But I have to be there. Why? Because this is where I get tuned. So I have to fight within myself 
to be there. So don't ever say to me, enjoy your holiday. Please, don't ever say, enjoy your holiday. We're up at six o'clock in the morning. All day is on. Those who have been, it's all day. It's intense. To come back for, to see some of you fall asleep in five minutes of me speaking. It's intense. But you know what? I'm glad because I have to beat this thing into subjection. You want to hear him complain? No. He doesn't complain. I do the complaining. So in Genesis, 18, chapter, Genesis chapter 18, verse 9, where is your wife Sarah? Good question, they asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then the Lord said, I'll surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your life, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which she, had, uh, she was behind him. Abraham and Sarah was already old and well, well advanced in years, and Sarah was past age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed at herself as she thought, I'm worn out. And my master is old. Will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child? And you can imagine, she, I didn't. I didn't. I never laugh. Prove it. God says, I saw you. Stop lying. You liar. <laughs> but he didn't, he didn't punish her because she was lying. He just said to her, You know, next year you're going to have a son. You liar. <laughs> And Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, so she did lie, she confessed, she lied. And said, I didn't laugh, but he said, oh yes you did. So in verse 17, then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him, for I've chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord. Legacy is that issue. Uh, by doing what is right and just, and so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he promised him. So unless Abraham's willing to leave the order called ins and step into God's promise, God can't show him his future. We want God to show us our future while we're sat on the banks, resting and relaxing. No, you've got to leave one place and step in before God will upgrade you to his current movements about what he's doing. This is the difference between charismatic Corinthians prophecy. I just feel the Lord wants to encourage you this morning, Chris. So I'm going to say some nice things, true things, right, right things, and it actually ministers to him. But when the prophet stands up and the prophet stands, the prophet will often speak through him beyond him. Yes? What we want is, just tell me what God's heart is towards me. Read your Bible, you'll know. Give me a prophetic word. Well, open your Bible, there's loads of them. But when the prophet stands up, he's going to give you God's wider agenda. And this is what you've got to be tuned to, God's wider agenda, not just God's individual agenda. There are agendas going on here, and we use the word gender uh, agenda in a sincere way because normally when we say he's got an agenda that means he's, he's coming on the blind side he's got a different alternative no God's clear about what he's saying that's why he announces it yes he's very clear and open and pure about what his intentions is so when God speaks to us as a house he will speak to us at two levels he'll speak to you and he'll speak to us about his future 
plans, legacy is the most important thing for us as a house. Why? Because we've got to think after you've gone. We've got to think beyond us being here. We've got to think for the young'uns. And we've got to think about their children's children. We want this house to continue. So we've got to minister to you, but we've also got to minister to the future. But if all we ever do is minister to you, the future dies. We can't let that happen. We won't let that happen. Destiny is more important than people. Now that takes maturity to understand that and process that. Are you saying we're not important? That's not what I said, but that's what you heard. Destiny is beyond you. It involves you, but it's beyond you. But your destiny is to be involved in the future destiny by what we do today. The decisions, if we step in and partner with God today and God upgrades us into his current movements, we see the future. But when we don't step in, the future's not asked to see, Kesara So in Acts 26, 16, he says to Paul, after he's just been converted, now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant, as a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. So, Paul, you were going on this way, son. You were against me. Now, I've intervened. I've shown you. You've heard my voice. You've felt the light. You've seen the light. You've been blind. Now, you've acknowledged me as Lord. Now, I'm going to show you future. Now, once Paul was in, God could update Paul on current movements. Now he understood the the significance of the Gentiles and the Jews. Now he had a futuristic, prophetic understanding of what God was doing, where Peter was still wrestling with pigs on the rooftop. Peter was late. He got this revelation eventually, but Peter was a lot slower at getting this. Paul was on the case quicker. So both men had to be upgraded into current movements of what God was doing. So what did Paul say? When Barnabas broke through in Antioch, Paul concluded, God's even gone to the Gentiles. And the whole region was opened up and the gospel was changed and transformed forever and ever and ever. Now there is every tribe, tongue and nation can be saved. Amen? But it took men to be upgraded in current movements. So it's fair to say that you and I need upgrading. We need to understand how to pray for our nation. So when I'm, when I'm walking down the road the other week, God says to me, I forgot what I was going to say about Brexit, I'm going to pick it up again. God says to me, son, what did I tell you about Brexit? You had to pray. So why have you stopped? Pick it back up again. And I told you to pray this nation through to its safety. So church, we're picking the baton back up again. Yeah. It's, our, it's our watch. This is what God's... It's my fault. I let it go. It's not, I'm, not, I'm not saying to you, it's my fault. I dropped the baton. Pick it back up and pray this nation through. Get it to the other side. It's a mess out there. They haven't got a clue what they're doing. And why would they? And that's why we've got to get behind it in the spirit and pray us through. Yeah, yeah. There's confusion out there. Yeah. 
So we will pick it back up. I'm sending you to them, he says, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan. We're still in Acts 26, 16. Open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Paul's mission was clear. He was upgraded, updated as to what God was about to do and how God was about to use him. His mission was set. Your mission has to be set. You've been a Christian too long and still wondering what we're doing, what we're doing. So, let me give you a third point. We're coming to the conclusion very quickly. I'm just going to bring this to a quick, rapid end if I can. So the first point is you step in. And as you step in, you become a partner. The second step, in the, as you step in, you get upgraded into the current movements of God. The third step is, when you enter and you're upgraded, God upgrades you into present truth. It's not just current movements. God upgrades you in present truth. In other words, your gospel gets instant. You've got a new upgrade. You're not still preaching reformed theology. You're preaching present truth. Progressive. See, our truth is progressive. Our truth is progressive. The more we see, the more we understand. The more we understand, the deeper, the deeper we can go. The deeper we can go, the more we need to proclaim. The more we can proclaim, we can bring others with us. You constantly have to be upgraded in prophetic, present truth. So when you enter in, you're upgraded. Luke 24, verse 41, and while they still did not believe. So God spoke this while they still did not believe. Because of the joy of um, Luke 24, verse 41, and while they still did not believe, it's because the joy of amazement. Well, let me read that again. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. So this is after Jesus has risen back again and he's appearing before his disciples. And he took it and ate it in the presence and he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. These boys was upgraded into present truth and present understanding. So when they read the scriptures, they're not reading it now just from an historical point of view. They're seeing the fulfillment of what was written. So they're now in clear, present, progressive, prophetic truth. They've got an understanding that the rest of Israel do not have. You see this? Do you see this? All this is because you step in. God will show you things about your nation. God will show you things about your family. God will show you things about your boss. God will show you things about finance. God will give you wisdom when you step in with him. He'll show you things way far and above things you could ever even ask or imagine once you step in. Why? Because it's God's good pleasure to give you what he's got. And upgrade you. That's God talking now. So when you're entering and you're upgrading present truth, <coughs> I'll give you the other point. For every upgrade you receive, 
for every upgrade you receive, there must be a download into someone and into somewhere. For every upgrade you receive, there must be a download into someone and into somewhere. In other words, you must use what you receive. You must find an outlet for what you have received. That which I have received, Paul said, regarding the grace. That which I have received, I now give to you. Paul gave them the grace that he received for the church. The revelation that Jesus gave, that which, I've, that which me and the Father has spoken to me, I have made known to you. So what Jesus receives from his Father, he makes known to his disciples. That was the crowd. Now, there was other places he tried to download it, but he said, they're not ready. There was other people, he said, they'll, ever be, they'll always be hearing, but never perceiving. They'll always be the ones that listen, but they'll never see the kingdom. They'll never enter into the kingdom, but they'll only ever see things from afar. You see this? The kingdom has to be entered. You have to be born in the kingdom. You have to enter the kingdom. You have to be qualified in the kingdom. You have to inherit the kingdom. You have to work in the kingdom. So, you and I have to find someone, somewhere, to outload, outwork, offload what we're receiving in God. Is it fair to ask and to expect you and me as a church to share what we have received? Is that a fair expectation? Come on, church, answer the question, please, for yourself. It's a fair expectation. Then, so therefore, then why don't we do it? For everything that we're receiving in God, there must be an outlet. Now, every outlet has a time and an opportunity. Wait for the time, wait for the opportunity. Wait for the time, wait for the opportunity. Wait for the time. And the opportunity will be there. Seize the opportunity at the right moment. This is called, to do this is called walking by faith and walking in the spirit. True? So, each one of us carries living water. Some families need living water. How many would agree with that? Why do they need it? So that they'll never have to keep walking this way again. There's a way that people walk that's constantly leaves him in a perpetual state of thirsty. Thirstiness, if that's a word. But you who carry living water, give them the living water so that they don't have to keep walking this way. There is a strife, there's a way that leads to death. And there's a way that leads to life. When you give people the living water, it's so that they don't have to keep living in the rat race. True? 
Out of you. Where's the water coming from? Out of you. It's not coming from above. It's what's been put into you. So what you, out of what you've received, you've got to find someone who will draw from your pipe, from your well. Yes? You carry this water. And therefore, you distribute this water. Some families need water because they're thirsty. Lord, give me a drink so I won't have to keep coming here again. That's what she said. Some people come for many reasons. But the water that you've got will quench people's thirst. Some families need water in order to be cleansed. In other words, they're sinful. They're corrupt. Your water can set them free. Some families need water to replenish and hydrate. In other words, people need restoring mentally, physically, and emotionally. Your water can do that. You'll never know the power of your water until you start distributing it. You know, Manchester has the cleanest water in the country. I don't know. I've drank it. It's not until you've tasted, you see. There's a Bible verse for that somewhere, isn't there? God must put something into your heart. God must put something into your heart for you to cry out, Lord, give me this water that I will not have to keep coming here again. And the first thing that water woman did, she went and took it into the village and she shared it with everybody else. She just had one spoonful of water and all the village came. And then they said, we believe now, not just because of the water you, we tasted from you, but now we've seen the very thing. Amen. So it's not enough for you just to see and speak. It's not enough just for you to see and hear. You must step in. And when you step in, you become a partner. When you enter in to what God speaks, you become a partner with God. Once you enter in and partner with God, God updates you as to his current movements. For every upgrade you receive, there must be a download into someone and towards somewhere. Lastly, you must partner in order to share the workload as this is your responsibility. To do this, let's stand to our feet. These are the steps. First steps, simple steps. Step in, partner, upgrade, download, share the workload. Step in, stay with me, stay with me. Step in, partner, upgrade. Download. Download. Share the workload. workload. These are the steps that you and I must take in this day. Step in. Step in in your heart today. Choose to step in. Hold it together out there. Hold it together. Amen. Come on, let's raise our holy hands. Let's go beyond hearing. Let's go beyond hearing. Let's just go beyond seeing and having nice technical visions. Let's go into stepping to what he's got to say. Hold his hand. Let him take you on the journey. Go beyond what you saw. Go beyond what you've heard. Go beyond in your spirit. Say, God, take me. Take me in today, Lord. I'm coming in. I'm coming in. Your son, I want to be a partner. I want to be a global partner. A local partner. This is your desire, Lord. I've heard your word this morning, Lord. I'm stepping in. 
I'm going to hold it together. Want to step in? I'll hold it together. Your word in me, oh God. Oh, Father. Right now, oh God. Right now. Right now. Father, I pray for your people. Father, I ask that your word has come and it's come again and again and again. You show patience, you show mercy, you show restraint with us, Lord. And Father, this very moment, I pray, O oh God, that you would move us from just being hearers and seers. You'll move us to the point of becoming doers. Father, we want to move into partnership. Partnership. Oh, Father, take us beyond, oh God. Show us. Upgrade us into current movements. Oh, Father. Father, I ask in Jesus' name for your people. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done amongst your people. In Jesus' name. Oh, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Let your will be done. In Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Lord bless you.